Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season four, episode two of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Memorial. Grace really got me being like, maybe they didn't die in an exploded farmhouse. I don't know how I managed that. Gaslighter. Yeah, that was that was real convincing to me, evidently. Like the, It pretty clearly took insane fire. And Stephanie also was like, oh, I think it's going to be a Lurex memorial. Girl, 12 people died <laughs> after a Lurex. <laughs> but I was like, no, it's going to be a Lurex memorial. And then at the end of his memorial, he's going to come back in a little twist. I was like, I know what this episode's about. I don't she even didn't. have to watch it. I was very wrong. She was way off. As always, I'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. Elena tries to cope with the extreme highs and lows mostly lows, Which all lows. <laughs> that are a part of becoming a vampire. And Stefan and Damon almost come to blows while arguing about what is best for her. Well, and then they do come to blows well, later. Stefan comes to blows. Damon doesn't come to blows. <laughs> yeah. Damon decides to help Elena in his own way and asks her not to tell Stefan. A stranger, Connor Jordan, arrives in town and begins questioning Sheriff Forbes and Carol Lockwood. Connor's actions quickly convince Stefan that they are dealing with a dangerous vampire hunter. Jeremy and Matt are surprised to see a girl they used to know, April, has returned to town and is enrolling at Mystic Falls High. At a town gathering, you mean a funeral, uh, Elena comes close to losing control until Caroline steps in to help her. Finally, Damon confides his feelings to an unexpected friend. It's an expected friend. <laughs> it's the only friend he has. Uh, it's unexpected because he's really confiding in a gravestone. But don't we all? Go talk to your brother. <laughs> I love a, an episode where we get some new characters in the mix. That's always oh, yeah. fun. That's the fun thing about a new season is they're always going to introduce new characters and potentially new villains. And we have high expectations for villains at this point after having Catherine in the originals. We'll see if those expectations are met. Well, and also like the first couple seasons, it was pretty much like if there's a new person, it's very likely they'll be dead within a couple episodes. And I feel like we're kind of moving away from that a little bit. Not yeah. all the way, but... There's definitely, you know, a little, it's a little bit more unexpected what might happen. Well, we've seen, especially villains, like when we first met Alaric, he was a vampire hunter and he was a villain and he became like part of the team. Mm -hmm. Same with the originals. So new characters and particularly new villains are not always what they seem. Boyfriends for Bonnie, however, usually don't make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they're interested in Bonnie, um, I'm sorry, time to go. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be here long. Start auditioning for new jobs. I feel like the witches on the other side are like, no, he's not right. Let's just speed it up. Let's just get him Bonnie's out of here. Bonnie's wasting no time with this one. Yeah. So let's jump right into the episode. We open the episode in the woods at a campsite. And it's Elena and Stefan waking up in the morning. When I first saw a campsite, I was like, ooh, we're going back to Overliable. Someone's going to let Elena kill some campers. Now, I don't know why I thought anyone would have let that happen. Yeah. During this opening scene, we go back and forth between the woods and the Salvatore house. I think we're meant to believe there's like a morning expedition and then an afternoon expedition to the woods to eat food, to eat animals. Yeah. Either way, we go back and forth. So we go to the Salvatore house and Damon tells Stefan he is making a huge mistake. And Stefan says, no, if I can get Elena used to animal blood right out of the gate... And Damon says, you're reaching. And Stephanie also said, you're reaching. I knew I was going to be in the trenches defending Stefan this episode. <laughs> and it starts early. This seemed very much, I was practically saying the same thing as Damon at the same time. Because it was like, no, that doesn't make any sense. 
No. So we find out Stefan's plan is really to just start Elena on animal blood. So she never develops a reliance on human blood. And Stefan says, you know, maybe she'll be able to bypass all the things we went through. Now, Damon calls that delusional. And Stefan says, no, maybe she has a shot at this. And I get this logic in theory, but there's just no way. I mean, it is delusional. Well, the logic makes some semblance of sense. Like if she never has human blood, she won't know how good it tastes and therefore she won't want it. She'll just get used to blood that kind of tastes eh. Which I think, and this is Stefan's eternal problem when training new vampires, is he's always trying to offer what he wishes he got when he turned because he knows he was a ripper. And he feels like if someone had just never let him taste human blood, like if someone would have never given him a cup of alcohol, he would have been able to avoid it. I think that's probably a little foolish, but yeah, it's it's remembering the past a little too positively. I mean, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And it is the thing, too, of it's an obvious parallel to alcoholism. Yeah, but it is like food. So it's different than like it, it's like he's like, Elena, you can only eat unseasoned chicken. He's like a fitness guru, right? He's like, if you never taste paprika, you won't miss it. And she's like, OK, but like Tony's seasoning salt has like 10 calories. And he's like, yeah. 10 whole calories. And she's like, I don't know. And Damon's like, let her eat a French fry. And Stefan's like, well, she never tries French fries. She'll never want them. It's like, no, she'll see them. They look good still. No, she'll she'll smell a French fry. She'll drive by a McDonald's and smell a French fry at some point. And then next thing you know, she's eaten like 80 orders of French fries. She's gone overboard. Because she's never eaten them before. Or like, you know, they do make fried chicken in the grocery store. So she's sitting there picking out her boneless, skinless breasts. There's a whole fucking fried leg over there. I'm sorry. I'm going to be wanting it. The analogy makes sense. Damon obviously sees it from a different perspective because he, it's not that he's never lost control of blood, but he's never, but he finds it a much more healthy way to live to accept that when you're a young vampire, you might need a little bit different handling than someone who's been battling addiction his entire life. But Stefan's trying to revise history by helping Elena, by helping Caroline, by helping all these people transitioning. He's trying to revise his own history and make up for his own mistakes. It's all very like personal guilt. I do understand his point that if Elena kills someone, she'll just break down. I totally understand that um, as a reasoning because Damon's kind of like, you might kill someone. Like you're a young vampire. It's probably going to happen. And Stefan's like, I don't want to make her have to go through that, which I understand. Yeah. Stefan's next point he makes to Damon is she won't be able to handle it if she hurts someone. Her compassion is her Achilles heel. And that is magnified right now. And I think that is, again, there's a lot of stuff that Stefan's trying to do, which is really revising his own history. But this point on Elena does make sense. Elena is, if nothing else, a drama queen. If she kills someone, she will freak out. And Mm -hmm. with it being magnified, that's another issue. It does seem like this is very much like, the option is like, you know, maybe kill one when you're a young vampire and figure out how to handle it or push it off, lose control and kill like 10. The thing is, it's not even a guarantee that she would kill anyone. Mm -hmm. But I think there's another thing we have to think about here where Stefan's not going to take her to a random human and say, feed and then stop her. Because you know what's going to happen if Stefan lets Elena feeds on a random person and then stops her? He's going to smell that blood and he's going to finish the job. Yeah. He's going to have a harder time teaching it. That's what you need to do is bring her, find a random human, have her feed a little bit, stop her before she gets full, heal the human, compel them, bye-bye. But it's very tenuous because I think there's a level of Stefan that knows that he's being a little bit 
too strict with her and using the logic of saying like, she can't kill someone. It'll be awful if she kills someone. Like, it'll be bad for her. I'm doing this for her. But also, Stefan does want to be the person who's in charge of her transition because Elena just picked him and Damon is still in town. So (laughs) he doesn't feel super secure in his relationship right now with or without the vampire aspect. Yeah, I think he wants to be the one that she goes to. It's also this level of care that he doesn't want her to have to go through the stress that he went through. And her learning how to feed on humans won't necessarily lead to that same stress, I think. Mm -hmm. But he is like, why take that risk? I don't want to put her through that. I get that. And if he sets up a system for her right away that is his system, she'll automatically come to him for help. Whereas if he lets her choose whatever system she wants, it might be Damon's system. And then she'll go to Damon for help. And then next thing you know, they're having sex. This, I think, is also conscious for Stefan. Yeah. He's able to convince himself, like, I'm doing what's best for her. I'm giving her the best chance not to kill someone. But he's giving what would have been his best chance to not kill someone when he started. But he couldn't have known that at the time because he didn't know he was a ripper until he killed a bunch of people. Yeah, you can't know what the best path is for anyone for dealing with this. Like, it is very individualized at the end of the day. And Stefan wants it to be extremely strict because he knows that for him to control his bloodlust, he has to be very strict. He needs that level of control. And like, not everyone does, but he also is kind of like, well, I don't want to take the risk that she like would need it and I didn't give it. And then like, yeah, she'll run after someone else. But it is also this dangerous game where if it is too much, she's like, I can't tell him because he'll be so mad at me for not following this, which we obviously see unfold this episode. (laughs) Anyway, we'll unpack a lot of this as we go, obviously. So then we go out to the woods. Damon's like, ah, you better not, you better hope she's not a fan of Bambi. In the woods, Stefan and Elena see a deer and Stefan tells Elena to close her eyes while he rushes off to like maim it. But she opens her eyes and she watches. Yeah. You know, there's the whole animal human debate. Yeah. One thing about me, I'm not biting through all that fucking hair. Well, also, <laughs> I mean, like, I understand that Stefan thinks it's better to kill an animal than to kill a human. I know he doesn't end up killing this deer, but Elena strikes me as a bit of a horse girl. Yeah. And I think she kind of would care about killing a deer more than Stefan might. I honestly think the deer might be harder for her than it, like a random man. It's a little bit creepier to me. At least there's like the sexual innuendo of a human, but a deer is like, I'm just biting a deer. Yeah. Did he have to find a fucking baby deer? I don't think it was a baby. It was pretty small. He says later it's a bigger animal. I think it's an adult deer. I don't think it's an adult deer. Well, I think it's an adult deer. Maybe they're just so graceful. He found a particularly cute one, which I think is just me thinking deers are cute. I think you just think deers are cute because that was an adult (laughs) deer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, then back at the Salvador house, Damon says she needs human blood from the vein. And Stefan says, you know what happens. Name me one vampire who didn't kill at least one person when they were new. And uh, you can't. Yeah. But Damon says, you name me one who went on the bunny diet and didn't kill dozens. We don't have a big control group for that, but we do have Stefan. And obviously the bunny diet doesn't super work for him. Yeah, it it wasn't the most effective. (laughs) Then we go back to the woods. Elena feeds on the deer. And then we go quickly back over to the Salvador house. And Stefan reiterates, if she kills someone, she will crumble. And then he brings another interesting point up that says, how much pain do you think she can take before she shuts off her humanity switch? And that is a fair question because 
given what Elaine has gone through, that would not be a crazy choice. We haven't seen a ton of vampires yet turn off their humanity switch. There was some question about Damon at some point, but I think we can come to the consensus that we haven't actually seen his switch off yet. Yeah. Stefan, we did see turn it off and that went super bad. He almost drove Elaine off the bridge where her parents died. (laughs) And Damon says, well, you know, it happens to the best of us at least once. Implying that most people at some point just do that for a little bit. Do you think that's foreshadowing that we might see Elena turn her switch off this season? I don't know about Elena because I think like she's the type. She loves to feel emotions. I think as hurt as the emotions are, something really dark would have to happen for her to do that. And I don't really know what is dark enough at this point because she's already gone through all this. And we know Elena didn't want to become a vampire. She wants to be a human. Emotions are what keep her connected to her humanity. Yeah, she wants to feel like a human still. I think it's that and also that she just doesn't want to lose that control of like knowing what happens because I think she'd be so scared of coming out of it and remembering all the people she killed that even the idea of that is enough for her to keep it on. Sure. In the woods, Elena is kind of crying and freaking out a little bit after feeding on the deer. Not her happiest day. And at the Salvatore house, Damon says, we all get over it turning off our humanity switch at, like after a hundred years or so. And Stefan says, well, I would like her to skip that part, which is very thoughtful. Yeah, I'm sure you would like her to skip that part, but it might not really be up to you. We would all like our loved ones to not go through the suffering that we went through, but there's only so much control we can actually have. It's a lesson for Stefan. And at the end of the day, it's her choice, what she wants to do with it. And you, you love to let her have whatever choice she wants until all of a sudden she wants to eat a human. Well, here's the thing is Elena hasn't actually said what she wants from being a vampire. As far as we know, she was on board with the plan that Stefan set forth. She wants to not kill him. I bet she was. So, I mean, and it's possible she just hasn't given it a lot of thought. She just, I mean, obviously she's still in denial about being a vampire. Let's not even pretend. Yeah. She's just kind of like, I don't even want to think about any of this. I think she wanted to do the bunny thing because then she's like, well, this is the path of like the least pain caused to other people this is the least vampire-y thing i can do if i drink from humans i'm admitting i'm a vampire i'm yeah. leaning into it and i'm not really in the mood for that yeah because even with a blood bag at least she can kind of be like i'm just drinking juice yeah you know it, it's different juice than usual but juice none the same like the same. I, I just think it is that not it's it's nonetheless or all the same yeah it's <laughs> juice nonetheless <laughs> But if she is going after a human, it's not only that like it's a living human sitting there, probably a little uncomfortable while you're biting them, but also the sensation of like biting someone and like sucking their blood out. Like, yeah, it's a lot of sensations. I do feel like Stefan might have been better served to start her on blood bags, Mm -hmm. but that might not have worked anyway. So he's got his own thing he's trying to do. And I get his thought process. I just think it's deeply, deeply flawed. Yes. And it's the same. This is the problem is that this th- same thought process was what he tried to do with Vicky. That went badly. But with Caroline, this training worked pretty well. So he can easily think of Vicky as the fluke rather than thinking of Caroline as the fluke. When you would think that it would have helped with Vicky. It, the issue with Vicky is, you know, they were both addicts, but Vicky was like, I'm not done with that yet, though. Vicky's like, I have no problem being an addict. But I think the reason it helped with Caroline, too, is she was able to be like, OK, here's a structure. Here's the structure and input he's giving me and I'll apply it to what I need because she is that type of type A personality. Yeah. She's like, thank you for your notes. I will take those into consideration moving forward. 
And he didn't feel like he needed to like protect her the same amount that he feels about Elena because he barely gives two shits about Caroline at the time. And especially at the time that she turned into a vampire, he didn't care if Caroline lived or died. He was like, we could kill her. He's like, he's like, Elena doesn't want to kill her, so I don't want to kill her. But I honestly don't give a fuck about her either way. Yeah. So he didn't feel the like connection to make this work in the same way that he's clearly feeling for Elena. And so Caroline was able to be like, okay, I get why you would want to control it that way. I'll use that type of controlling cravings to not kill people, but I will still be drinking human blood. And Stefan said, I don't really care what you fucking do. Yeah. (laughs) I'm dating Elena. Drink whatever you want. So he, you know, he could be a little bit more hands off, which because he was putting less pressure on it. And and unfortunately, he's putting a lot of pressure on this. So, yeah, Uh, it's hard for Stefan girlies this episode. And I I anticipate that will continue. We'll see. (laughs) It's not fair. You know, Stefan girlies were in the trenches for a good chunk of season three. We were out of it for like two episodes. And now we're back in the fucking trenches. That's where you're going to be if you pick the wrong fucking ship. So Damon says... Elena can't learn to control the bloodlust if she's never experienced the bloodlust, which is an excellent point. Mm-hmm. Stefan promptly ignores it. That goes re- in and out real quick. That's because as Stefan is packing a bag, Damon is unpacking it. So Stefan's like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> and Damon says, it's a cheat. It's like giving a kid a calculator before they know math. This is a great analogy because it is like, if you give a kid a calculator who doesn't understand what addition is, he's gonna be like, I don't know what to do with this. This yeah. means nothing to me. And they're not going to be able to do any like critical thinking around the matter. Yeah. At this point, Elena's just being told, you need to drink blood from deer. And she's like, okay, I get that. So I don't kill anybody. But if I'm faced with blood coming out of a human, how do I deal with that? And Stefan's like, well, just don't do that. And she's like, well, just don't, just don't feed from a human. And it's like, that's easier said than done. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, (laughs) Stefan, this town is crawling with humans. And, and they're just free bleeding, it seems. Yeah, people are bleeding all over the place. There's blood bags everywhere. There's no security in the hospital. <laughs> then we go out to the woods. Elena is like freaking out and crying after feeding from the deer. And Stefan says, hey, don't worry about it. Deer's going to heal. Bigger animals are more resilient. And hey, you did it, queen. I know it's hard, but you can do this. And she nods. She's still crying, but she seems to calm down. Back at the Salvatore house, Elena enters to the boys' argument. And she says, what's going on? And Stefan says, you know, we're just having a little disagreement about process. And Elena says, oh, you're still not on board with the with the animal plan. And Damon says, no. Damon's <laughs> like, why would I be? It's a dumb plan. Damon says, I say, rip the Band-Aid off and let it bleed. He says, you're a vampire. Be a vampire. Stefan says, okay, you ready to go? And she nods and they start to go. And Damon says, vampires eat people. It's part of the natural food pyramid. Trust me. You're going to be miserable. And Elena's like, well, first of all, I'm not a vampire as far as I'm concerned. So I'm not ready for this at all. And second of all, I've been miserable for about two years. So I didn't expect it to stop. I kind of thought it would keep going. There's a reason I was okay with dying in that car. And you can see Elena being like, am I going to be miserable? Is he right? Because you know that she's like, she's seen Stefan go through this. I think she's like, kind of doubting it but she's also hoping that this works well and she knows for all of damon's faults he's not a liar and he also is not like someone who exaggerates yeah so for him to say she's gonna be miserable she kind of takes that seriously well like especially stefan has is always like oh it's so miserable like 
being a vampire like it's hell and Damon's like yeah you're gonna be miserable going with this fucking sad sack self-fulfilling prophecy yeah and she's kind of like because you know she's seen Damon go up and down and kill some people she'd rather he didn't kill but he's overall well adjusted well and anyone he's killing he's not doing so accidentally that's the thing yeah he always means to whether or not the decision is right yeah it's at least he made the decision he didn't kill Lexi because he lost control yeah he killed Lexi because she had to die. It was premeditated murder. Yeah. <laughs> so then we go out to the woods. Elena doesn't seem so miserable at first. She's giggling because Stefan wants her to run and catch an animal, whatever. And Stefan says, you know, it's like the starting line of a race. Just push off with every ounce of strength you have. And Elena says, I was a cheerleader. I sucked at track. With those long legs? Yeah. You're with lying. Your long legs and your skinny little body? Nope. You rocked a track. You. you were a sporty queen. And probably that's why you joined cheer. Gymnastics, track, cheer. That's what you were doing. Jumping all over the place. Anyway, he holds onto her waist and she says, "Mm -hmm. all I can think about is your hands on my body. Because if Elena's one thing, she's horny. And you can only imagine that went all the way up. Oh, yeah. That got pumped to 11. And not for nothing, she had a bit of a dry spell where she wasn't having sex with anyone because, you know, Stefan was out murdering people for about six months. Yeah. And she wasn't having sex with Damon in that time frame. And she just chose Stefan. So they're about to start having sex again. And she has not had sex in a while. Yeah. And she's like, look, I know we didn't want to have sex last week because I was a little emotional and we were also in a dungeon. Uh, but mama's thirsty. Yeah. She is horny, horny. Um, he removes his hands and she says, no, don't take them off. She says, I didn't say that. She said, put those back. He holds her. He's like, oh, what does it feel like? She says, like, you're touching every nerve on my body. Then he says, everything is heightened. They say everything is heightened like 50 times this episode. Yeah. I don't know if you heard it, but as I I was taking my notes, I was like, oh my God, we get it. Everything is fucking heightened. That's the drinking game of this episode. So he starts saying it now. He's like, everything's heightened. Taste, smell, sight, touch. You know, very sexy. He said emphasis on the touch. And then they kiss and then they start aggressively making out in the woods. And you know what? Good for her. She needs a little break here. Yeah, I was like, good. Elena's happy for a second. It's going to go downhill at some point today, but at least it's good right now. And then it goes immediately downhill. Yeah. And then two seconds later, (laughs) she like pushes away and and she runs away. And then she goes somewhere else in the wood and she throws up blood, the blood she just had from the deer. I was like, she probably just didn't like the way that tasted. And it probably tasted like shit. Part of it is like, it's really early drinking blood. Maybe she hasn't gotten used to the taste yet, but we saw Caroline get used to the taste pretty quick. Yeah, Caroline was like, mm, this is kind of gross that I'm drinking blood, but mm. But mm, that tastes good. But like, she just threw it up. Like, that's not a good sign. Then we go over to the burned council house. It's got some evidence markers inside. So the cops have been here, we have to assume. Yeah. And it's burned inside, but the structure is still intact. So some fire. I guess the firefighter response was quick. <laughs> so some guy enters. We don't know his name yet, but we know it's Connor Jordan. He obviously looks like Shamara Moore from Criminal Minds. This one's for all my baby girls. Yeah, I said, who's this sexy guy in the burnt house? <laughs> to answer your question about who is this sexy man, his name is Todd Williams. He plays Connor Jordan. You may know him from. He, I guess he was on one episode of Ballers. Oh, he was on two episodes of 911. I know that was pretty popular. Oh, he was on five episodes of Teen Wolf. Oh, Dr. Geyer, G-E-Y-E-R. He was in seasons four, five, and six. I haven't watched that late in a while. 
So anyway, Todd Williams, illustrious actor. Here we know him as Connor Jordan. He is looking at the evidence in the burned house. He quickly finds the disconnected gas line and the lighter. So it doesn't take him long to put two and two together. <laughs> doesn't take a genius. And hey, no one thought to bag the lighter. Yeah, because that's the thing. There are evidence markers here. The cops have been here. And we don't know at this point that Connor's not a cop, but he's certainly not in uniform. And we yeah. can assume he's not a cop. And he's here by himself, so it'd be odd if he was. You know, what kind of lame ass cover up was this? What dep- like if you're a deputy and they're like, hey, cover this up, plug in the gas line. Actually, keep the gas line out. Sure, because yeah, yeah that's it's the a story. faulty gas. Explosion. But take the lighter. If you've cleared all the bodies out, why is the lighter there? Are you guys just idiots? I mean, yes, is the yeah. answer. And the sheriff, we get to this later, obviously doesn't know this was a mass suicide. Yeah. Who who was bagging evidence and who didn't open the oven where there's a letter marked to April, well known as the pastor's daughter? Well, also like any investigator with anything at all. I could do this if I was investigating a nurse. And if for some reason I got called to do that, (laughs) I'd find the faulty gas line and be like, huh, I wonder maybe were they using the oven when this happened? Open the oven. It'd be a pretty quick step. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I understand the need to cover it up. But I feel like you might as well call it a mass suicide. Like, I I know that's dark, but that's not supernatural in nature. Just report that. I just think no one figured out it was a mass suicide. I know. I think the people who investigated it saw the gas line and saw it was all council members. And it was like, oh, must have been a vampire. And it's like, you guys still have to investigate a little bit. I'm not even sure they saw the gas line. Again, we know these cops are not like the best and the brightest. Yeah. Like, I think they just thought a vampire burned this house down, which doesn't make any sense for what a vampire would do if they were going to kill a bunch of people. Yeah. But given that a lot of the people on the police force know vampires are in town, they probably go, Damon probably did this. Foolish. Yeah. But I get why they made the decision. And then they already ran the story. So now they can't be like, oh, actually, it was a mass suicide. Yeah. So they just left a whole bunch of evidence behind is the point. This is all stupid. Right for the picking for Connor. I'm looking at this like it's a bounty hunter. Yeah. (laughs) Who do you think he was there to kill? Bounty hunter. Like, what do you think is vibe was when you when we saw him here i was thinking he was like kind of a private investigator bounty hunter hired by one of the families to like figure out what happened. figure out why a cop blown up yeah and he implies as much but he does so at the grill damon is sitting at the bar having bourbon at truly like 11 a.m why not he's grieving i was gonna say it's saturday i don't know what day of the week it is yeah. <laughs> it might not be there's a church so maybe it is sunday yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Liz comes in and joins him. And he says, that seat's taken at the personal next to him because it's a lark seat. I didn't make that connection at this point, but I did later. But it's cute because every time he tells someone this, they do go to the other side. Yeah. <laughs> they do respect him. Not the other side, like death. Um, <laughs> the other side of David. The yeah. Other so, <laughs> so Liz switches to the other stool and she drops the newspaper in front of him. And he says, faulty gas line leads to tragic explosion at Young Firm. Really? And Liz says, well, it's better than saying town council blown up. Police have no suspects. Unless, of course, the perpetrator is sitting right next to me. And he says, okay, don't look at me. I take credit for killing people. This is a fair guess that like maybe he would have been involved with this, but he would have told her like, hey, don't worry about the crazy sect of the council. I killed him. Well, yeah, you would think, I mean, again, it's not a crazy leap for Liz to make particularly because- Liz was there when he was told that the young firm was where they were keeping the vampires. She knows he went there. She knows him and all the other vampires came back. It's not a crazy logical leap for her to say, oh, Damon probably burned the house down and that's how they all got away. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not a crazy question. Now, should she have looked for evidence still? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. 
And she looks at him a little longer and he says, stop looking at me like that. If I was going to kill 12 people, I wouldn't blow them up. I'd have a dinner party. And this is compelling evidence. And she does buy this. Especially because there were like four vampires there. Like four vampires versus 12 people. That would have been easy. Yes, exactly. Even just Damon, Rebecca, Caroline, clear it out. Caroline wasn't there. Oh, Caroline wasn't there. Damon, Rebecca, Stefan. And then win-win, Elena gets some fresh blood and you wouldn't be in this fucking situation. Exactly. And Liz says, look, the explosion was sparked from the inside. This wasn't an accident. Then mama go inside. But that's the other thing. If it's sparked from the inside, why not think maybe one of them sparked it? I guess maybe that feels like a big jump. Like, why would they all kill themselves? Well, it could have been accidental. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know why they're not making that leap. And even, and especially if it was sparked from the inside, how could Damon do it? We know fire kills vampires. Yeah. And what do you think he lit a lighter and just threw it in with an open window? Like that wouldn't have worked anyway. Foolish. Real lack of an investigative mind from uh, the sheriff here. I think it is truly because, you know, and this is sometimes Liz's handicap when she's investigating cases like this. She can't quantify that this council would want to kill themselves, especially mm-hmm. because she sees like they were winning. They yeah. got the mayor and the sheriff ousted. Yeah. So she's like, well, they wouldn't like killing themselves. That's not even crossing her mind. Maybe it would if she looked at the evidence. Yeah. Damon says, hey, you say this like it's a bad thing. The council is dead. I see that as a win. While this conversation is going on, our mystery man from the cottage, a.k.a. Connor Jordan, enters. Liz says, you know, I've known some of the council since I was a kid. They were my friends. And Damon says, yeah, well, your friends tried to kill your daughter. So, yeah, he's like, so I think we can all get over it. So, again, a win. (laughs) And then Damon senses Connor's sexy, sexy presence. How could he not? (laughs) And Damon says, who's the new guy? And as he says that, up comes Connor. And he says, hey, Cher, I was wondering if I could speak to you about the explosion at the Young Firm. And she says, "Uh, sorry, mister. And he says, Connor Jordan. And he puts his hand out. He shakes her hand. You can see already he's got kind of like a brace on his hand. Yeah, he's got a fingerless glove on. And the fact that he leads with the handshake so aggressively, it's like something's up with that. Yeah. And they show it on camera quite yeah. aggressively. And they do this a couple of times. So you know that the handshake means something. Yeah. She shakes his hand and she says, oh, are you with the insurance investigators? And he says, I'm more of an independent contractor. He said, do I look like I work for an insurance company? He says, with this face? You think <laughs> I work for State Farm? <laughs> they couldn't be me. Damon smiles at Connor, but Connor promptly ignores him. And he says, hey, can we speak in private? And the sheriff says, sure, they go. Damon says, nice to meet you too, Mr. Busybody. (laughs) We go over to the school. Jeremy is loading up his car with paper lanterns. The student council made them for the memorial to light up in honor of the dead. And Matt says, nobody thought fire might be inappropriate. (laughs) And he's so right for this. Look, we are Matt Donovan haters, but even we can admit when he's eating. And this episode, Matt Donovan is eating. He has his moments. Jeremy says, I wouldn't make that crack in front of Elena, you know, because she's very emotional. Matt asks, oh, like, how is she? And Jeremy says, "Mm, she's like fine considering. And Matt says, well, you know, if there's like anything I can do short of giving her a ride. (laughs) He said, you'll let me know. I'm only alive because she told Stefan to save me first. She's a vampire because of me, yada, yada, yada. I'd like to pay it forward. Jeremy says, yeah, whatever. Okay, we get it. Jeremy's like, I don't care. She's a vampire. It's where we're at. We get it. You have survivor's guilt. Move on. (laughs) And then a pretty young lady approaches, calling out for Jeremy. Uh, She says, oh, picture an emo pixie cut embraces. And he says, oh my God, April. And April is April Young. She is played by a lovely actress named Grace Phipps. I don't have to pull up her IMDb because she's only in one thing that matters to me. She was in Teen Beach Movie. And Teen Beach Movie too. Yeah. 
And she rocks in both of them. She's incredible in them. Uh, she's very beautiful. Jet black hair, bright blue eyes. Very talented, very beautiful. Love to see a potential. I, I was getting some vibes, maybe love interest for Jeremy. She does have black nail polish on. So she approaches and Jeremy says, Matt, oh, remember April? Elena used to, and Matt says, yes, Elena used to babysit you. Of course I remember, which the pastor also told us last episode. Oh yeah. She says, yeah, before I got shipped off to boarding school by my dad. And Jeremy says, oh my God, your dad. So sorry about him dying. Yeah. And she says, thanks, I guess. I don't really know how to answer that. And Jeremy could give her a little compassion and say, oh, I totally understand. I am in the same position. No, he doesn't. He just lets her flounder. Yeah, he just, <laughs> is like, he just lets her sit there and figure it out. And Matt says, oh, right, your dad was Pastor Young. And she says, he of the faulty gas line. Sorry, <laughs> I haven't figured out what to say about that yet either. At least she's got a sense of humor about it. Very slight for her. Uh, she says, I'm being a freak. I guess I'm just not much for grief. Anyway, I have to go register. Bye. Well, I do think it's interesting that uh, she got shipped off to boarding school by her dad. That's a, you know, drop that could mean many things. But I think we've all we all met the pastor. I think there's one direction that that leads. And that was that she had a bat. She had a pixie haircut. And he said, nope, get out of my home. So why do you think he shipped her off to boarding school? I just think he like it seems like they didn't really get along. And so I think it was kind of a behavior type thing is what I'm reading, which we may not even get an answer for it. It might just be like, oh, she's coming back. There's another clue, which is that she mentions her mom's funeral. Yeah. So we know her mom's also dead. Uh, but you do have to wonder what brings her back to Mystic Falls if her dad should drop to boarding school. I mean, she doesn't have a parent here. Why not stay at boarding school? Maybe no one's paying the bills anymore. Well, that makes sense. The card declined. Because I had the same thought of like, well, why would she come back here if both her parents are dead? But it is like, well, it's cheaper. <laughs> she's doing the old Matt Donovan. Yeah. So she leaves and they watch her walk away. Clearly a new character introduction. We'll see where she goes. I was a little back and forth in the first introduction. You know, I'm always a little suspicious of a girl who's a love interest for Jeremy or Lurk off the top because you just never know. Yeah, what's your first impressions? What do you think the trajectory for April Young is going to be on this show if you have thoughts? I mean, there is, of course, the concern that she wants to keep her father's legacy alive with the council. Um, but we know that she at this current point, did not get that letter. Although there is a question too. We don't know who hired Mr. Connor Jordan. That's a great point. We don't know why he's here and we have to assume he was hired by someone. He wasn't just showing up out of nowhere. So I think that those are all potentials of like, I'm not saying she's in the clear of being like involved with the villain side yet, but we're clearly building her up to be a little bit of a passion project for Elena. Yeah. <laughs> for Elena to feel good about herself. She needs to help someone to feel a boost. You know, I would like to see Jeremy have a pretty little girlfriend, of course. I would love he for his pretty little girlfriend to be me. <laughs> but alas, <laughs> do you think she's going to live or die? Like, do you have any predictions on how long she might be alive, if you have any? I do think she'll be alive for, like, a little bit. I wouldn't be shocked if she died by, like, episode eight. Do you think she'll die or just kind of peter off? I think if she is going to go, she's going to die. Okay. That's what the future holds if she wants to take her father's side or if she wants to be a vampire hunter of sorts, which will make it a mistake that Elena feels like she should get involved. She doesn't seem to know anything. She though. doesn't seem to know anything, but also like she's clearly not been that close with her dad and that's emotional and that could be a way to feel closer to her dad after he died. There's always the potential. You know, we've seen Jeremy and Elena know about the Founders Council and go the other way, obviously, but there's potential that someone goes the way of the council. 
that she's like, my dad died because all of these vampires pushed him to kill himself for the greater good. I need to avenge his death. I need to protect his legacy. I need to make that worth it, you know? Yeah, like, I think that's a possibility. I think there's a chance that she could, like, be more involved with the team, get to know Elena and Jamie a little better, or, like, that could bring her away from wanting to protect that dad's legacy. And if she is indeed the one who hired Connor Jordan, that could be a sticking point of... Oh, no, never mind. I don't eat a kill the vampires. And I'm like, mm, that's not how this works, honey. Wouldn't you be pissed off if you hired a guy and then he stabbed you? I would be pissed. Just thinking. I mean, I, I am thinking that, but he probably was like, well, I already know her. <laughs> uh, so then we go over to the Salvador house. Elena is alone in Stefan's room and she's leaving Caroline a voicemail. She says, hey, girly queen, can you call me? I'm having some adjustment issues. And then she hears Stefan coming upstairs and she quickly hangs up the phone because she doesn't want Stefan to overhear this call. And that's a bad sign. That's a bad sign because she doesn't want Stefan to know she's having adjustment issues. And Stefan clearly isn't aware she's having adjustment issues because he comes upstairs with a bottle of champagne from the year she was born. And he says, I think we should celebrate your first feed. I know it was disgusting and traumatic, but you did it anyway and you survived. And she does try to tell him here. She says- I wouldn't say I survived it. It kind of made me sick. Now, granted, she doesn't admit she threw it up. Yeah. And Stefan also doesn't love the taste of animal blood. So he says, hey, I choked it down a month before I could stomach the taste too. It gets easier. Well, it's so hard when he's standing there with champagne so excited about it to be like, actually, your plan isn't working at all. Yeah. Like, how do you say that to him? He's clearly proud of her and like excited about it. And she knows that he's scared of this situation too. And she wants to like, it's the same thing. She wants to protect him from that. Yeah. Elena's a people pleaser too. And she knows that Stefan isn't really good at handling stress about feeding. I think it's just not something that she feels comfortable bringing up to him. Like that one, she feels like it's a failure Two, She feels like he won't understand or like he'll talk down on her for like not wanting to drink animal blood all the time. And she's like, yeah. I don't really want to get in that conversation. And lucky for me, I have another brother who I could like bounce some ideas off of because Stefan as classic with this structure didn't really build in any like flexibility or like check-ins like, Hey, let's do a little little pop quiz. How are we feeling? Well, and also not for nothing. When Elena was a human, she talked a big game about shouldn't Damon have animal blood. Shouldn't he be more like Stefan? So it makes sense that Stefan would be like, she always admired that I had animal blood. I'm going to teach her the same thing. And now that she's a vampire, she's like, okay, so the thing is, I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> it, it appears Damon has been right. It appears I was being a little bit holier than now. <laughs> I would like to formally apologize. I didn't know what I was talking about because I wasn't a vampire. I did definitely feel that way. But now that I have tasted animal blood, I have a different opinion. I do think it is disgusting. <laughs> But he says, but this champagne is going to go down like silk. She said, hell yeah, it will. She said, I have it better. She said, you know, you're so cheery. And he says, yeah, because you're here and you're alive-ish and you're going to get through this. I mean, Stefan feels very hopeful from what he saw happen this morning. How could he not? Yeah. And he wants to support her and make her feel good for the little successes. Unfortunately, there wasn't even a little success today. Yeah, unfortunately, it was a big old flop. 
so now this just makes her feel guilty for not telling him. And yeah. so then it's also the same thing of like, well, I should have told him when it happened. I can't tell him now and ruin his mood. Like he already popped the champagne. It's going to get flat. And I can't drink the champagne after like after his sad news. Yeah. And then later in the day, it like, it's like, oh, since I didn't tell him this morning, well, now I can't tell him because he'll be like, why didn't you tell me this morning? The further it gets away, the less she can say and the happier Stefan is because he's like, it's working. Yeah, I nailed it's, it. It's just a recipe for disaster all day long. So they pop the champagne, they giggle, they kiss, they drink, and they're happy for like five seconds. <laughs> she gets like a combined 10 seconds of happiness today. Yeah. And then Stefan gets a call from Damon and he says, oh, Damon, perfect timing. And then he says, wait, what? <laughs> then we go over to the grill. Elena approaches Damon and she says, did you do it? And then he also tells Elena that the seat is taken because it's a lyric. But unlike Liz, she questions a little more she says there's no one here and he says well i'm pretending there is because the alternative is too depressing and then it's pretty clear why he's leaving that seat open so she also goes to the barstool on the other side of damon and she says did you set off the explosion that killed the council and he says am i wearing my i blew up the council t-shirt why does everyone keep asking me that today <laughs> he's being goofy he's in a mood today he's in some kind of mood because he's drunk yeah <laughs> And he says, no, I didn't do it. Anything else? And she says, I'm actually very glad you asked because I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> she says, um, I can't keep animal blood down. She's like, she's like, I have something to say and don't get too excited that you were right. She says, and I want you to like be calm about it. And I don't, and I certainly don't want you to tell Stefan, I keep throwing up animal blood. And Damon says, there's a shock because he knows how it tastes. Yeah, Damon's like, yeah, it tastes like shit. And she says, I need your help. And he says, of course you do. And then he says, pick your meal. And then he says, a very out of tone racist joke for the show. Yeah. He says, oh, we got Asian fusion, Mexican American comfort food. But we don't see any people because they're in Georgia. So I think they only ever hire white extras. Well, one funny part of this is there is a black extra behind them, but he didn't like say, do you want to eat a black person? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, that was at least one good thing. It's a very weird racist joke that like we don't get shit like this a lot on this show. I mean, we do get obviously like slavery and the Confederacy and the Civil War, whatever. Yeah. But just say blonde brunette. Just say like, oh, pick anyone. We're at a restaurant. We're full of food. Like you can make a number of food jokes that don't get racist. Yeah, and, and just an interesting choice by him. Yeah, and it's like, oh, okay. And we move on from it pretty quick, but I feel like I must mention that it's... Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. Definitely, like, you're watching and you're like, wait, what? I don't know about that one, King. Yeah, Damon's not usually like this. He did desert the Civil War. Yeah. <laughs> and then Elena says, no, no human blood. I have to at least try to get through this without hurting anyone. So, like, we know that this animal blood plan, well, it is Stefan's magnum Main opus push. Mm -hmm. elena really doesn't want to drink human blood because again she's seen stefan lose control so she's terrified that'll happen to her and she's also seen damon like not care so she's worried that either a she will drink blood lose control and kill someone or she will do it and like it and change like become a different person she's equally scared of either conclusion and she's heard, I don't know if Caroline has told her this specifically, that Caroline killed someone and was like, oh, I kind of liked it. She doesn't want to feel that way. And she doesn't want to have to kill someone because she knows the guilt is going to be too much for her. Mm -hmm. She knows that's going to get to her. And so she's like, I just need to exhaust every option. Yeah. And Damon finishes his drink and then he says, fine, come on. They go to the bathroom and he locks the door and he bites his own hand and offers it to her to drink. And she says, what? 
And he says, you're a new vampire, Elena. You need warm blood from the vein. Maybe this will do the trick or not, but just don't tell Stefan uh, because blood sharing is kind of personal. And she says, what do you mean by that? And he says, just drink. He said, it, it's very sexual. <laughs> it, it, is, it is incredibly sexual. So she drinks, he holds her and then he like starts to faint. And so she's like drinking his blood up against a wall. It is very sexy, very intimate. It's very sexy. You can see why Stefan's pissed off. Yeah, I'm sure Stefan didn't want this to happen. It's a very fair reaction from him. Yeah, and you can imagine that if she had told him she wasn't keeping animal blood down, Stefan might have offered his own blood to her. He probably would have been like, well, let's go try a different animal. He's like, oh, let's try squirrels. And she's like, squirrels? It's like, how is that going to be better than the deer? <laughs> yeah. Please. He'd be like, let's go get a wild boar. And she'd be like, oh. <laughs> she's like, can't I just feed on you? You fed on me. She's like, oh, I hate this. Yeah, it's very sexy. They're playing like a Lana Del Rey-esque song. Yeah. Or it might be Lana Del Rey. I don't know. <laughs> so then we go over to the Lockwood house. Speaking of sexy, Tyler and Caroline are making out in bed. Caroline's got her little hot pink bra on, Slay. She's here to have sex. And she says, wait, this is wrong. A bunch of people died and we're having sex. And Tyler doesn't give a fuck about these people. He's like, ah, it's grief, sex, it's healthy, whatever, I don't care. She says it's selfish. She says it's natural. And he says, besides, if we stopped having sex every time somebody in this town died, we'd explode. You got to give it to him there. Caroline says we need to be sensitive. And he says, mm, I love you. How's that for sensitive? And she says, works for me. Love you too. And <laughs> they start making out again. <laughs> but then the doorbell rings. And Tyler says, who is that? We go downstairs to see who it is. Carol opens the door for Connor Jordan. He's going all over town today. She says, hi, can I help you? And he says, actually, I'm hoping I can help you. <laughs> you can't help She's me. Like, what are you going to sell me an encyclopedia? He says, what do you know about Mary Kay? <laughs> I'm hoping I can help you. Have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? <laughs> but no, he says, I spoke with Sheriff Forbes earlier. I'm Connor Jordan. He puts his hand out. She shakes it. They shake hands. They play a little bit of sting of music. So if you're not picking up on the hand thing by now, you get on board. Well, it's also kind of like anytime someone's at a doorway, it's kind of a question. And they're playing the music and his hand is kind of in the doorway. So it's also yeah. a weird thing. He hasn't been invited in yet, but we'll see. She says, yeah, I'm Carol Lockwood. I know who you are, Connor. And I believe the sheriff made it clear that the tragedy at the firm house was an internal matter. And he says, well, I guess that's one way of looking at it, but I prefer the term cover up. <laughs> and Carol's like, uh, yeah. That's why it's internal. Get out of my house. Carol said synonyms. Anyway, and Connor says, oh, can I come in? And she says, I don't think that's a good idea, but he comes in anyway. So then it's like, okay, no vampire, step one. He says, you know, you're aware that it wasn't an accident. Any rookie fireman could tell you that. I figured that out two minutes after being in the house. Yeah. And Carol says, what are you, the press? <laughs> First of all, girl, you control the press. Yeah. She's like, who are you, YouTube? <laughs> he says, not exactly. 12 council members are dead. You're the mayor. Why weren't you at that meeting? She's like, well, they didn't invite me. She doesn't say that. She says it wasn't official town business. And he says, then what was it? Before Carol can answer that, Tyler comes downstairs and he says, hey, what's going on? Is there something I can help you with? And Connor says, maybe. How you doing? I'm Connor. Tyler shakes his hand and it sizzles and he groans. So, you know, it's pretty obviously vervain on the glove. Mm -hmm. That's why he's wearing the gloves. Yeah. And so Connor weighs no time getting that gun out. Yeah. Immediately, Connor takes out his gun and shoots Tyler like five times. Yeah. No hesitation. Caroline hears this and gets up to come downstairs. And Carol says, Tyler, run. And then Tyler opens his eyes and he does run out the window. Connor chases him. But of course, you know, Tyler runs faster than Connor. 
And then Caroline comes downstairs to see Carol distraught and there's a puddle of Tyler's blood. Yeah, so Carol's freaked out because she like understands that Tyler can like heal and get up from stuff. But it's still like, my son just got shot. It's scary to see your son get shot no matter what. Yeah. So then we go over to the Salvatore house where Tyler has settled. He is pulling the bullets out of Tyler and he says, these are specially carved because of the length and width and like where they're placed in your body. If you were a normal vampire, you would be dead. Because they are full wood. So it's like enough to essentially count as a stake. Yes. Tyler says, yeah, this guy knew what he was doing. His gloves were steeped in vervain. He was looking for a vampire. He didn't hesitate for a second when he found one. And Stefan looks at the bullets up close and they've got like an etching on them. Mm -hmm. Looks a little bit like three arrows crossed. Yeah, kind of like a trident. Yeah. In the middle. Any immediate thoughts on the etching? I mean, from the little bit I saw, and we can talk slightly about the tattoo as well later, but I mean, the tridents and the arrows, it is given kind of medieval. So that's one thought, spell, family crest, something like that. Sure. Caroline asks if they're spelled and Stefan says, I don't know, but there's something. And it's like, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Stefan, for the insight. He thinks it's spelled because it's like burning as he's touching it. Yeah. He's like, it might be, it might just be the vervain, but yeah. Then we go over to the church. Matt and Elena are setting out programs. Matt says, hey, how are you feeling? You look a little strung out. And she's like, that's how I feel too. She says, I'm fine. My emotions are all over the place. Everything is heightened. I don't know if you've heard, but when you become a vampire, everything gets heightened. <laughs> Matt's like, even I fucking know that. <laughs> and she says, you know, just the sight of all the names of the dead makes me want to cry for a week. And Matt says, you know, you didn't have to volunteer. <laughs> Which is such a fucking funny line because I know he means it like, you don't have to be here, it's okay. But it's kind of like, you didn't have to come. Like, <laughs> I know. Matt once again eating. Slay! Slay! It made me laugh. <laughs> uh, Elena says, people died. People we've known our whole lives. So yeah, I did have to volunteer. And Matt's like, mm, no, you didn't. Matt's like, mm, you really didn't, but okay. And then Elena spots April in like the front pew. Elena approaches her and sits with her. And April says, oh, long time no see. And Elena says, yeah, since my parents' funeral. Yeah. Elena hugs April and says, are you going to survive this? And April says, they want me to speak. I guess like all the kids who lost somebody can. But what am I supposed to say? I'm sorry, my dad didn't fix the gas line. She's like, but then if I don't say something, what if nobody does? You know, my dad and I didn't always get along or anything, but everybody deserves to have nice things said about them at their funeral. I mean, for my mom's funeral, everybody said some really nice things. So this gives us a lot of background on April. Her mom died before her dad. Her and her dad didn't always get along. Fits into this picture you're building for yourself, yeah. whether it may be true or not. Yeah. And Elena says, you know, say what you want to say or nothing at all. And don't worry about your dad. Everyone in this town loved him. Not everybody, but, you know, I get what she's got to say it. Yeah. And April says, until two days ago. And Elena says, even still, which is a very comforting thing to say. And it's a really yeah. sweet moment. And you remember why, like, Elena's our main character. She really knows how to comfort people who are grieving. She's got that experience down pat. Yeah. But then Elena holds April's hand and she loses it a little bit because she starts to feel her heartbeat. And she's like, ooh, boy, do I want to sip. So yeah. Elena says, sorry, I have to go. And then Elena runs down to the bathroom in the basement and she throws up Damon's blood mm -hmm. all over the bathroom, all over her dress, all over herself. She is freaking out. Yeah, because she gets to the toilet first and gets it mostly in the toilet. And then she moves to the sink <laughs> and the mirror. And it's just everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, man, why did I wear pink to this funeral anyway? But now it's even worse. I should have worn black. <laughs> then we go over to the Bennett house. Bonnie is like 
catatonic on the couch. And Stefan says, Bonnie, I know you're in there. I can hear you breathing, girly. It's important. Give her a minute. It's like, let her lay down for a week. She needs it. She answers the door and he says, hey, you all right? And he tries to go into like hug her, but he, after all this time, has still not been invited into the Bennett house. Yeah. So he says, hey, can I come in? And she nods and he hugs her. And they sit down on the couch and they catch up about what she's been going through. And she says, you know, my grams, it was like she was dying all over again because I didn't listen to her about dealing with black magic. And Seven says, well, you know, if it makes you feel any better, you're dealing with the other side. It's not reliable. Witches were probably just messing with your head to teach you a lesson. Which is a fair read. Like they might've just been like, okay, let's make her look like she's in pain. And Sheila, make sure to scream your little head off. And she said, deal. She said, deal. If it scares Bonnie out of using this magic, I'm down with it. Yeah. And Bonnie says, well, it worked. I tried to do a basic nature spell this morning to clear my head and it just brought it all back like it was happening all over again. And she says, sorry, I'm a mess. I've been holed up here, avoiding everyone. I've completely blown off Jamie. Good. It's like, good. That's your brother. That's yeah, that's a, that's a win. Yeah. Goodbye to him. And then Bonnie says, oh, you came here because you needed something. And Stefan says, yeah, but it can wait. And Bonnie says, it's fine. You're not exactly a drop by kind of guy. So if something's wrong, just help me. Yeah, Bonnie's like, all I do is like help give you guys spells. At least I'll have a reason to do something so I don't have to be just depressed all the time. And it is true that like Stefan is not known for like coming in to like check and see how Bonnie's doing. He's known to like check in and see how Elena's doing. Yeah, but fuck her friends. (laughs) Yeah, he said, I really don't give a fuck if y'all live or die. Yeah. As long as Elena's okay, that's my business. Yeah. And he says, okay, so here's these bullets we have. They burn to the touch. They could be steeped in vervain, but they also have these etchings. Have you ever seen writing like this before? And she says, well, it's not magical writing, if that's what you're thinking. She asks, would you get these? And Stefan says, we have a new hunter in town. And Bonnie says, "Hmm, bad timing. It's all bad timing. (laughs) It's always going to be bad timing. So then we go over to the church. Damon is walking up with a garment bag and he calls Elena and he says, hey, I'm here. And she says, I'm in the basement bathroom. And then the knob rattles and she says, is that you at the door? And he says, not yet. And she's like, (laughs) and it's Connor. He knocks and she says, sorry, somebody's in here. And she kind of like cries a little bit as she's saying it, which if anything helps. I mean, she gets away with a lot of the craziness because it's a funeral. Yeah, that helps. On the phone, she says, Damon, hurry. And she starts to clean up all the blood. Damon comes downstairs to find Connor on the couch. And he says, oh. You again, stocking small town funerals because he's also wearing light olive green, not wearing black. Yeah. A lot of people at this funeral not wearing black. Really tells you what they thought about these people. Yeah. Elena opens the door and grabs the garment bag from Damon and she uses it to cover the front of her body. And she turns to Connor and she says, I'm so sorry. I spilled coffee all over my dress. And so she closes the door. And then Connor gets up and he goes up to Damon. And he says, oh, we haven't met. I'm Connor Jordan. Sticks that hand out. And Damon says, uh, yeah, I'm Damon. I'm a germaphobe. And then he turns to Elena and says, everything OK in there? Yeah, Damon says, I'm not falling for that. I see the fucking glove, dumbass. Connor's already suspicious of Damon at this point because, duh. But he's trying not to shoot a human, so he's he's going to He wants to be sure proof. before he shoots yeah. anyone. You would think these founders who died would have left a list of the vampires in town, but yeah. that's me. Maybe leave that list with the d- letter to April. Yeah, since notes could have made it through the oven, just say BTW. Whoever finds this is the vampires in town. Although maybe the council didn't know that someone would call in a hunter yeah since again we still don't know who hired him yeah and we still don't know what the plan for salvation was i guess evan but seems iffy at best (laughs) well he's a pastor yeah damon asks connor what you know what brings you to mystic falls bible salesman haha he's being goofy today (laughs) he's in a mood (laughs) 
<laughs> and Connor says, actually, I'm in environmental cleanup. That is so Sopranos of him. I know. He says, I heard you had a bit of a pollution problem. And Damon says, well, I was unaware. I breathe pretty easy. I mean, Connor is like, this guy's a vampire, but I can't prove it. So yeah, I can't just shoot this random guy. What Connor should do is just grab his shoulder. But when he's also like, I don't want to kill him while this like random girls in there. Yeah. Connor does not seem to be suspicious of Elena at this. Time. Yeah. That's the plus of being Elena. It's you're not on the top of anyone's radar vampire wise. Yeah. I was like, oh, look at that beautiful young lady standing with those two guys who could not obviously be vampires. I can't <laughs> believe she let the vampires get to her. <laughs> Well, I have to help her. Elena comes out. And she says, sorry, that took so long. And Connor says, no problem. Damon says, oh, enjoy your stay. We love visitors. And the scenery is to die for. <gasps> Funeral pun. Too soon. He is giggling today. He is being silly goofy today. Again, he is drunk. <laughs> he is way he is, drunk. He is blacked out. Because the bartender knows when Damon and Alaric get there, put out a bottle of bourbon, they'll split it. Today, Damon was drinking for two. Yeah. <laughs> he's about to get in this funeral and be like, does anyone want to dance? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this song, I'm really feeling the music. <laughs> so they leave the basement and, you know, Connor glares at them. Upstairs, like at the, you know, top of the church, I'm sure there's a name for it, but a mezzanine. Yeah. I don't know if that's what they call it in a church, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Balcony, whatever. April is working on her speech. She's doodled a tree, so obviously it's going super well. Yeah, so she's got a lot of progress. Connor comes up and she says, oh, you scared me. I'm just working on my speech. And then he stabs her. And so she like doesn't seem to not know who he is. Interesting clue you picked up on. Because if it's a random older man that I don't know, I'm not gonna be like, oh my God, you're scared me. I'm gonna be like, ah, who are you? What are you doing up here? What are you doing up here? I'm a young girl by myself. Then we go outside and Elena asks Damon if he brought a blood bag. And he says, you want to say that louder? <laughs> Damon gives her the blood bag. She drinks some of it, but pretty immediately gags. Yeah, for a second, she kind of looks like it's like working and it tastes good. And then she gags it right up. And she says it tastes like, and we can assume the end of that sentence is shit. Yeah. <laughs> she says, what's wrong with me? Damon says, I don't know, maybe your doppelganger blood is rejecting the transition. And you made that prediction a little bit earlier in the episode. I think we glossed over it when we talked about the episode when she puked up Damon's blood. Yeah, she puked up Damon's blood. I was like, okay, it's weird that she's puked up like vampire blood too. Maybe the doppelganger needs fresher blood or like has a harder time transitioning. Not that we would know from Catherine because I know Catherine was like, I don't give a fuck who I kill. Yeah. Do you think the <laughs> doppelganger theory is like probably the right track for what's going on here? I think it's like a possibility that you just need pure blood because you're a doppelganger. Do you think she needs like fresh blood from the vein like Damon has implied? I think she needs it right now. I don't know if she'll need it forever, but definitely right now that seems to be key. Have we ever seen Catherine drinking from a blood bag? We have. And we've seen her like bring blood in a wine bottle. Yes, that's true. So I think it's possible that she can do that eventually. But I think right now it's just like she's got to get the good stuff because that was the only thing we didn't see her throw up. It might just be that Elena has a really refined palate as well. She's just a picky eater. <laughs> she, yeah, she's just a picky eater. <laughs> uh, Elena says, I'm dying, aren't I? And Damon says, no, you just need to drink from the vein. And she says, no, I can't risk killing anyone. Maybe I'm better off dead. And Damon says, don't think like that. You'll be fine, okay? They share a look. The church bell rings. And she's like, I have to go back inside. And then Stefan approaches and he saw Elena walk away. And he also saw a blood bag with Damon. Yeah, fall out of the bag. And Damon <laughs> spots Stefan. He says, oh, great. <laughs> he says, oh, no, here we go. I have to listen to this now. And Stefan says, hey, Damon, uh, what's in the bag? And Damon says, mm, mid-service snack. Church gets me hungry the way they talk about the blood of Christ. <laughs> and then he says, okay, fine. Yes, I brought it for Elena. 
And Stefan says, oh, are you really that intent on having your way? Which here's the thing. Again, there's clearly some insecurity about the love triangle still. Mm -hmm. So Stefan would rather believe that Damon like just wants Elena to drink human blood for his own edification, which makes no sense. Yeah. Rather than believe that like Elena asked for this. He's still on shaky ground because even though Elena did pick him, it was when they all thought they were all going to die. So it's like emotions were heightened as they are again. Yeah. But it's a different kind of situation. It's still iffy. And again, Damon's still in town, which I think Stefan was hoping wouldn't happen. He knows that Damon really disagrees with him on this. And he's probably like, I bet Damon would go behind my back. And Damon would go behind his back for like Vicky because it's like, why would you waste her time? Like whatever, she can have what she wants. Damon wouldn't bother going behind Stefan's back by himself for this. Yeah. Because to his mind, Elena wanted the animal stuff. He's not going to push it. And he also knows this plan won't work. So he's like, honestly, it'll come around eventually. And also he knows that like getting in the middle of Stefan and Elena is a recipe for disaster if he doesn't have a good reason. It's a recipe for disaster even if he does have a good reason. Yeah. So he's not going to seek out this conflict with his brother because they already have a tenuous relationship. Yeah, there's no point in bringing this on like on your own. Yeah. He wouldn't bother doing that. He knows it'll work out eventually. Like no one's going to let Elena die so he can kind of hang out for a little bit. Yeah. Damon says, you know, it's not my way. It's the only way. And Stefan says, If she hurts someone, she'll be desperate to turn off her guilt and her humanity. And Damon says, what, and become a ripper? Which is exactly Stefan's fear. And Stefan says, you know, I can't let her be anything like me. And Damon says, well, God forbid she's anything like me. That's what you're really thinking. It's all about like, well, what if she turns off her humanity? Which I get, but like, that doesn't seem like it should be something you're worried about with Elena. It's really a control thing that Stefan is like, I want her to be able to have more control than me. And I can do that by controlling her every move right now. Well, also, the thing is, is that Stefan knows that Damon and Elena, they have mm-hmm. a relationship that Stefan doesn't really understand, but they really understand each other. Mm-hmm. So Stefan, whether he wants to admit it or not, is worried that Elena's approach to vampirism, if encouraged, will turn out like Damon's mm-hmm. more than his. Yeah. And he doesn't want to see Elena change as a person because he wants to keep the same Elena that was always there. That's not going to happen regardless. Even in his perfect world, if he if he stayed with Elena forever and she drank human blood but had it under control, I think he's also scared of like what that proximity would do to him. Yeah. And like, could he handle being with someone who can do that? And that's why he never wanted Elena to be a vampire. He wants someone to tether him to his humanity. And he's scared that if Elena turns hers off, he has nothing anymore. And then he'll just turn his right back off too. It's a very like selfish focus of it, which I know he doesn't intend and he is cushioning it in very unselfish reasons but it's very subconsciously selfish yeah he's saying it's all for elena but really it's for him i think he does truly think it's for elena because he's like well then elena can have a much easier life than i had and it's like she can still without doing exactly what you wish you had done like there's a reason you didn't do it he needs that control for himself so he can't understand how someone can live without that level of control Yeah. So he's like, well, if I set her up with this level of control, then she never has to learn it herself. Like I can just set her up for success early. She never has to find a middle ground. Yes. She never has to kill someone. And it's like, I think that's hard to do if you're a vampire. Mm -hmm. Do you think Elena is going to kill someone? Yeah. Who do you think she's going to kill? I think essentially a rando. Like maybe some like one that we get a slight introduction to. My fear this week was that it was going to be April. I think we're building April up a little bit. So I don't really think that's going to happen. But I mean, especially if she keeps going on this path, like she needs 
warm blood from a vein. And at some point, she's not going to be able to stop drinking it. Damon says she's going to go off the rails eventually. The faster we let it happen, the sooner we get back on track. And Stefan says she's strong. If we help her, she can survive. And again, they're both making good points. Damon's kind of like, it's going to happen. Let's just let it happen and deal. But Stefan's like, it doesn't actually have to happen. We don't have to give up on that. Both of them are valid concerns. Yeah. Like Stefan's like, we don't have to let something happen just because it usually does. We can fight it. And it's very mirroring what happened last episode that he was like, well, maybe we can find a way for her to not be a vampire for the first time in history. Yeah. I get why he's hoping for all this stuff, but at some point, like she's not going to change history every day of her life. Yeah. I think that's asking a lot of her. Yeah. Damon says, okay, well, she's starving and she hasn't been able to keep blood down for days. And Stefan says, what? she told me she was fine. Damon says, well, I guess she lied. Animal blood was a bust. The juice box was a no-go. She can't even keep my blood down. And that was just a, he meant that as a slap. He wanted to reveal that. Stefan says, she drank from you. And Damon says, oops, did I say that out loud? Well, this hurts Stefan even more than like, all of those things hurt him. But the main thing is not only that this was happening, but also that she felt like she could tell Damon and she didn't feel like she could tell him. Yes. Which is obviously the way he set up the program, but he's not like ready to hear that. He's like, well, I got picked. So now I'm the one Elena goes to all the time. And it's like, no, she still has a relationship with Damon. And unfortunately he's useful here, but it sucks to have that confirmed for him. Yeah. Stefan is not ready to admit this. It's a bad day for him. He's not. Yeah. He's not doing Stefan is in the trenches today. Yeah. Inside the church, Elena joins Matt and Jeremy and she looks pretty bad. Matt asks if she's okay. And Jeremy says, oh, April was looking for you to help with her eulogy. And Elena says, where is April? Then we go back up to the mezzanine where we see April. She is bleeding, tied up, bound and gagged. And Connor is loading a gun. He said, you know, 12 people's not enough for this funeral. Yeah. Stefan enters the church and he goes up to Tyler and he says, hey, Tyler, why are you here? And Tyler says, I'm being sensitive to the community's loss. Love him. Stefan says, with a hunter out to get you. And Tyler says, I'm not going to let a hunter stop me from being where I'm supposed to, but I will not be wearing black to this funeral. I'm wearing dark gray. Yeah. I don't look good in black. It washes me out. <laughs> yeah. It's too much on me. It, it doesn't emphasize my tan as much. Do, do you see how tan I am? Yeah. And my hair is black. I want my hair to get the attention. Is it working? And Caroline says, also, if he shows up, I'm going to kick his ass. Because she's like, because I can and I have. <laughs> I can and I have and I will continue to do so. No one's getting at my man. Stefan sits a few rows behind Elena and Carol Lockwood comes up in a Navy dress. No one get the black memo. Yeah. I feel like that was Carol being a little subversive. She said, fuck these people. Well, I also think we're under the impression that this is a memorial, but it's also like the week's mass. Yeah. Like it's a church service. So I wonder if some people came to church and like, oh, I haven't heard. Well, and also there's all 12 of their pictures up there. Like I'm sure each of them got their own individual funeral. And this was just kind of like a community memorial. memoriam. Yeah. But still weird that people didn't wear black. <laughs> yeah. Carol says, you know, before we start the mass, I want to open the floor to anyone who wants to come up and share a memory. I know April wanted to talk about her dad. April? April doesn't come up. And Carol says, okay, anyone else have anything they want to say about Pastor Young? And this is the full congregation. And everyone ha- is just sitting on their little asses. Yeah, no one has anything to say. One of you had to like him. You come here every week. Pastor Young is looking down from heaven like, really? Maybe it's really crowded because no, everyone stopped coming because they didn't like him. And so then they came back. Finally, they're like, finally, we get a new pastor. And then they're like, well, I don't have anything to say. I left because of him. Elena being the kind of girl she is feeling guilty. She goes up. 
And I think partially to be like, well, if April's out there somewhere, maybe this will make her feel comfortable enough to come up. Yeah, it's nice of Elena. Connor holds the gun and looks at her, just watches. He points, he looks at the viewfinder. He keeps his eye on her. Yeah. Damon enters and he puts some holy water and he crosses himself and he is, he's basically giggling. And and it's, it's sexy to me. Something about that was good. <laughs> he's being sexy this episode. Damon says to Stefan about Elena, oh, she doesn't look too good. And Stefan says, maybe you should have told me she was rejecting all food sources. And Damon says, you know, jealousy's beneath you, brother. And Stefan says, bite me. <laughs> he says, no, it is not. Elena struggles getting up there. And she says, you know, I talked to April this morning and she was nervous about getting up here to speak. And now that I'm up here, I'm nervous too. And that's the only reason why I'm shaking and sweating. And then she hits a line, which she must have said this line at her parents, you know, or something, because it's too good to not have been prepared. She says, you know, the worst day of loving someone is the day you lose them. She ate on that. Yeah, and everyone in the crowd is like, ooh, snaps. Elena, you must have been to a number of funerals before. Yeah, this is not your first time, is it, girl? And then she starts hearing some noises, and all of the vampires kind of like freeze. What's very fun about this scene, they don't do this all the time, but they do this sometimes, that they're all spread out across the church, but because they can all eavesdrop, they're like talking to each other. Yeah, they're all talking to each other from a distance. Very fun scene. Caroline says, do you smell that? And they all smell blood. And we can see it's dripping into the holy water. Damon says, nobody move or turn around. It's a trap. They're like, mm, no, we got to stay here. <laughs> and Elena is like freaking out. She's smelling the blood. She's seeing the blood. She like is trying to continue speaking, but she's being overwhelmed. And then her veins like slowly start to appear. But yeah. just in the nick of time, Stefan gets up there and takes her to her seat, obviously implying like, oh, she's just overwhelmed by the day. Yeah. And Connor seems to buy that. But he buys that enough that he's not shooting at either of them. And Connor's not suspicious of Stefan at this point either. He's confirmed that Tyler's a vampire. Yeah. He doesn't realize he's also a hybrid. And he's pretty sure about Damon, but he hasn't confirmed it yet. He's suspicious about Damon and he's like a little iffy on Elena, but he's also like, eh, I really don't want to kill a young girl unless I know for sure. Yeah. So then the new pastor has them all stand up and sing a hymn. They start singing. Elena hugs Stefan and she's like, I can smell the blood, Stefan. And Stefan says, you know, focus, push back. We talked about this. And Matt says, what the fuck is wrong? <laughs> and Stefan says she hasn't fed. And Matt says, then get her out of here. And Stefan says, no, there's someone watching us. And Damon decides to be proactive. And he says, well, I'm going to go rip his head off. Yeah. He's like, I can do that. And Stefan says, do that. And you risk exposing all of us. And Damon says, well, the risk will be diminished when I rip his head off. Yeah. Good point. Elena is like, I am losing it. <laughs> and Damon says, you guys have 10 seconds. And Stefan says, don't. And then Damon says, three, two, one, bye. And Matt says, wait, Elena, feed for me. And Damon stops. This is smart. Matt says, everyone will think you're upset. Just feed for me. Connor watches. Elena starts to hug Matt and hidden from his view, she feeds on Matt. And we can see through Connor's viewfinder that it just looks like they're hugging. It's very successful. You've got to give it to him here. They're still obviously trying to push us in the Elena Matt romance direction. Yeah, at least make us think about it. Won't be me. Uh, but for a second, it kind of seems like Damon's shipping. Damon's like, interesting. Wait, I think Damon's kind of like, look at him doing something useful. He's like, he, he finally made himself useful after killing her. And yeah. again, Matt's got survivor's guilt. This is, he feels the least he can offer. Yeah. And Elena does like let go. She doesn't lose control. Yeah, she does a good job here. And she thanks him. And Connor seemingly like lowers his guard. Elena goes back to hugging Stefan and she says, I'm fine, but I can still smell the blood because there is like literally a ton of it. She's like, you know, that that helped, but I am still hungry. And then Elena says, it's got to be April. 
don't know how she figured that out, but sure. Well, because April didn't come up and she's like, April would have, like, I would have seen her in the crowd, maybe. She says, we have to help her. And Stefan says, we can't risk it. And Elena's like, fine, I'll go. And Tyler, again, sees things start to go away from him. Tyler knows he's safe from gunshots of the hunter. And she, he probably feels safe in front of the crowd, too. So Tyler goes up to the front of the room, interrupts the him to the podium. And he says, hey, I actually decided I did want to say a few words about Pastor Young. So Connor gets back on alert because he knows for a fact that this guy's a vampire. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Maybe I missed his hurt last time. Yeah. Because in his mind, why would a stake not kill a vampire? Because even if it were an original, you'd see them go gray for a second, you know? Yeah. Well, we also don't know how much he knows about vampires. Again, we don't know who hired him. Yeah. He doesn't seem to know about hybrids. He also doesn't seem to know about who the vampires are in this town. Yeah. So we have to assume whoever hired him couldn't give him an exhaustive list. So we kind of have to assume he doesn't know about originals either, but we also don't know. We have to assume that he thinks any vampire would die by a stake to the heart, Mm -hmm. which is a fair assumption. Exactly. Tyler says, you know, when I was a kid, I only cared about myself, but Pastor Young made me join team sports. And it's like, okay. He's kind of like working on a team, like looking at everyone like you see it's time with team and I'm taking one for the team. He's like, it's very important to be part of a team. And, you know, Tyler has now entrenched himself in the team by purely Caroline's willpower to make him part of the team. Good for him. That's what he needed. And he says, it's about being part of a community, giving yourself up for the sake of. And Connor says, oh, you want to give yourself up? (laughs) He said, heard. (laughs) (laughs) And he shoots him with a big stake. And it's like fucking aggressive, like the way it hits him. And he falls all the way down. Like, it's like that shot in Django and Chain where the person like flies across the room. Yes. And everyone runs because they are afraid of a gunshot. Yeah, because in their mind, their church just got shot up. It's a church full of civilians. Yeah. Connor doesn't make it his business to shoot anyone else. He kills them. You know, he's killed one person. He feels pretty good about the day, Yeah, to his knowledge. Elena, Carol, and Caroline run up to check on Tyler. Caroline pulls the stake out. And Tyler says, oh, I'm going to kill that guy. And Stefan says, yeah, Damon's way ahead of you. Stay here. I have to help him. And Elena says, what about April? Am I the only person who cares about April? Yes, you are, Queen. At this moment, yes. (laughs) Caroline says, I got it. You go. And Carol says, oh my God, I have to call an ambulance. And Caroline says, he's fine. And Carol says, the whole town just watched him get shot. I'm calling a fucking ambulance. She's like, no, I have to call one for appearances, (laughs) not for help. He has to take a ride in an ambulance. He can go to fucking McDonald's, but he has to be in an ambulance. She's like, calm down. I'm calling Meredith. (laughs) Elena goes and outside Connor loads up his car and gets in, gets ready to drive off. Unfortunately, Damon has found him. He rips the door off and grabs Connor. Connor shoots at him, but he doesn't get his heart. He has his big gun in the car, but he still has his little one on his person. Yeah. They fight a little bit and then Connor gets ready to stake him. But Stefan comes out and says, Damon. And that's enough for Connor to be like, someone's looking for this guy. I don't really want to deal with this right now. Connor gets in his car and drives away. Yeah, he's not trying to make waves unless necessary. He's already made one big wave, which is shooting up a memorial. Yeah. Uh, he says, I, I think I could play it low key for the rest of the day. Yeah. Stefan helps Damon up and then he punches him. Damon says, hey, what was that for? And Stefan says, you know why. And this is fair. Yeah, that was earned. And I think Damon would have done it all the same, even if he knew he was going to get punched at the end of the day. He's like, I'm OK with that. Good deal. Back inside, Elena finds April. They let Elena look for a bloody girl alone. Pretty stupid. Interesting choice. She's very clearly affected by the blood, her veins and fangs show, and she like starts to pounce at April. Because this is a free snack right there. Luckily, Caroline stops her and says, hey, 
She's not dead, but if you feed on her, you will kill her. And Elena says, let go of me. And Caroline says, no, look at her. It's April Young. She's not a warm body for you to feed on. She's your friend. And this does bring Elena back down to earth. She loses the veins and fangs. And Caroline says, she's an orphan, just like you. And she's scared, just like you were. This is why Caroline's a great person for Elena to have during this transition, because Caroline's good at talking to Elena and saying the right thing to calm Elena down, which Damon and Stefan are not always great at. Yeah, she's a happy medium between like, I need to control everything Elena does, or like, she needs to lose control and deal with it. Caroline's more like, here are the steps of how to get through this. Like very much like, okay, I know how you're feeling. You can smell the blood you want to feed. But remember who this is. Remember why you would care about it and then let this pass. Like she's very, she's got a system. She's more specific than Stefan because Stefan's like, focus, push it back, bottle it up. Yeah. And Caroline's like, no, here is the evidence as to why you do not want to feed on her. Yeah, here's the reasoning of why you don't want to feed on this specific person. And this is the guilt you will feel if you do. And here are the consequences you will face. So if you don't want to face those consequences, you shouldn't do this. Caroline, as always, stays queening. She doesn't know another way. (laughs) She has never done anything less. And Caroline feeds April some blood to heal her. And April says, don't hurt me. And Caroline says, no one's going to hurt you. And you can see Caroline's about to compel her. And then Caroline turns to Elena and says, you need to make April forget. Caroline said, this is a teachable moment. April's like, I don't know why he did this. Again, she's not like, who's that guy that stabbed? She's like, I don't understand why he stabbed me. I just think that's interesting. Interesting point. Or it wasn't like, hey, that new guy in town stabbed me. That guy stabbed me. Someone has to get him. There are very different reactions that could be had here. That's all I'm saying. Interesting. Elena says, I can't do that, Caroline. You have to do it. And Caroline says, the only way you're going to learn is if you do it yourself. You can do it. So again, this happy medium of, I have to control her in some way, but at some point I have to let her learn to do it herself. Yeah, because she's never going to actually figure out how to do it if you are if you have to be there every time she's doing anything. Yeah, D- Stefan is very much like, I have to control everything she, she does. And Damon is like, I have to be completely hands-off. She'll figure it out. Caroline yeah. is the perfect happy medium of like, I will be here, but you have to do it yourself. But there are certain things you have to just deal with. Like, I can only help you so much. And Caroline says, you can do it. You just have to believe what you're telling her. So she lets Elena look at April and Elena says, April, listen to me. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to get through this just like I did. And I'm going to help you. I promise. And we see the close-up of the eye. So we know she did compel her. And April says, I'm going to be okay. You're going to help me. And Elena looks at Caroline very proud. It's like, girl, you didn't tell her. You didn't tell her to forget it. Girl, you still got another half to do, but good job. Elena is very proud of like pushing through and being a successful vampire. So then she turns back to April and says, You watched the funeral from up here so you could grieve alone. It was a beautiful service and people said really nice things. It's very heartwarming and cute. And it's nice for Elena to learn how to like use compulsion and use being a vampire for the positive sides of it. It's the same thing that Klaus brings up to Caroline of like, you don't have to think about all the horrible things about it. You have to think about how you can use this in a good way, which again is a flaw of Stefan's plan. There's no positivity in it. There are things you lost, but there are also things you gain. Yeah. And so she needs to see that she can help people as a vampire and not just worry about how she can hurt them. And help them in a way that she wouldn't have been able to as Mm -hmm. a human. So then we go over to the grill. Matt and Jeremy are picking up some coffee and snacks. Matt says, how do you think they'll cover this one up? And Jeremy says, assassination attempt on the mayor's son. And Matt says, altar boy goes postal. You were talking about this in a public place. (laughs) They are giggling. You're laughing, laughing it up (laughs) because they're like, it is so funny how our friend got shot. 
Yeah. Uh, he's okay. So that's why they're laughing. They're like, wow, Tyler really went for it. Gotta love that for him. Yeah. Connor is sitting at the bar and he interrupts because he can't mind his own business. He says, hey, what happened to your neck? Because Matt has a bandage on his neck. Because God forbid anyone give him vampire blood. I know. What the <laughs> fuck? Elena couldn't give him vampire blood? But he says, ugh, girlfriend went overboard. That is the best lie he could have come up with at the time. Because my first thought was, burn myself with a curling iron. Now he couldn't have said that. Yeah. Tried and true lie. Connor kind of doesn't buy it. Yeah, it's like a little odd that he has a whole bandage. Like, how overboard did your fucking girlfriend go? But it's enough that it's like, okay. He should have said he got a mole removed or something. Yeah, that's what I would say. Well, I just got a melanoma removed. I had skin cancer. So are you happy you asked me about that? (laughs) So do you feel good getting my business? (laughs) But Connor accepts the lie as it is because he doesn't have like a huge red flag to believe it. And again, from his view, he saw just like Elena and Matt hugging. He didn't see Matt's neck. He wasn't really focused on Matt because who is? Yeah. So he buys it for now. And plus he has other things to be concerned with because Jeremy looks at Connor's arm and he sees a tattoo and he says, nice ink. Then they leave. But we see that Connor's arm is blank. And Matt says, what tattoo? And Jeremy says, you didn't see his tattoo? It was huge. And Matt's like, I'm stupid. I must have just missed it. Yeah, Matt says he didn't have a tattoo. And Jeremy's like, yes, he did. And so they're like, that's funny. Uh, Like, either I noticed something or I didn't. It's like, how weird. Anyway. Why don't don't you guys turn around and check? But Connor looks at his arm and it's blank from our view. And so he looks concerned. So then we go over to an RV. It's Connor's home. We can tell because Connor comes in. It's got all his stuff in it. He's got a whole desk laid out of newspaper clippings, the letter from April and a big paper that says Tyler Lockwood with three question marks. So he's, he's got his evidence building up. The evidence is compelling. <laughs> and then he opens the letter to April and reads it. Unclear if he's read it before, but this is the first time we as the audience hear what Pastor Young wrote to April. So this is what it says. Dear April, sorry for what you're going through. <laughs> Sucks to be you. What I did was a necessary sacrifice, and I'm afraid it's the first of many to come. There's always been evil in Mystic Falls, but a greater one is coming. My death is the first in the war ahead. I will see you again when we all find our salvation. Until then, I love you. Dad. What do you make of this? So one thought that I I just had during this reading, you know, it's weird that Connor would hold on to this and not give it to April. In theory, I think there's also a potential that, you know, he says like, this is just the first step, more stuff's coming. He might've said, hey, once I die, Connor, you come on in. Like if I die, you'll get a call when I die. And that's a sign that something has gone wrong. Now, I don't know why he wouldn't have left a note or something in addition to this or why he would assume April would get this note. But so there is that potential. I think the salvation thing is interesting because he said that too, when they were blowing themselves up that like, it seemed like they had a greater plan. Mm -hmm. that I have to imagine has some sort of like maybe magic implication, but I don't know how any of them would have any connection to this because they hate vampires so much they would have shut it all down. And they're all humans, we have to assume. And they're all humans, as we would assume, Um, which, you know, salvation could just be like they're religious. He thinks they're going to heaven, Uh, which again, questionable given your behavior. But, you know, I don't know God like you do. So maybe maybe I'm wrong. Well, here's what I want to ask you about. He references there's always been evil in Mystic Falls, obviously referencing vampires. And then he says, but a greater one is coming. What do you think that is? A greater evil? Yeah. See, that's an that's an interesting part of it, like that I think implies that there's a bigger villain coming or I don't know. My thought is come it's coming back to like the comet in season one, like which was supposed to be a harbinger of doom. Maybe there's some other like time reliant spell or something coming back now if he's worried about a bigger evil 
he really missed the note on the originals. What if he's just implying that the originals are about to come? (laughs) (laughs) We already got that. that. It's like, no, we're done with that. I have to assume there's some level of like, this could also be connected to dark magic, which, you know, there could be some connection to the, I mean, I could see them making a connection between a pastor and religion and dark magic in that similar realm. I think there's potential for that. Sure. So you think maybe it's like a religious allegory? Well, I think not necessarily an allegory, but we can see that Mystic Falls is like attracting supernatural activity. So do you think maybe it's just like a different creature that maybe is like religious inspired by the writers? It could be. I think it could just be, you know, something about a cult leader. They have to have an idea of what their end game is. Yeah. And what they're protecting their cult from. And the mass suicide was much earlier than it usually is in a traditional cult scenario, although maybe they've been doing the cult thing for a while and they've been going up to it. But so I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that there is some like greater threat that he decided like, we're going to get out of here before it comes. And that there's some sense of like some scripture foretold it or some prophecy or something. So you're dancing around this question. I do want you to make a guess. What do you think is the greater evil? That is a great question. Specifically. You've refused to answer it. So I just want, I, yeah, want, was, I want you to make was, a guess. That was purposeful on my part. I know. <laughs> I mean, okay, here's something. I'd love to hear it. We've seen a couple instances of people taking over bodies. Sure. Um, and I think that opens the door up into possession and some sort of demon connection, which actually. Oh, here we go. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm moving now, baby. The gears are turning. I'm thinking of this demon possession and this like bringing out dark sides of other people. You know, we saw Alaric go through that, ties with dark magic. Maybe there is some sort of demon connection that is able to bring out those negative sides of people and really shift the framework and the foundation of this town. And maybe that's the first step was Alaric. And once, you know, that other side barrier has been kind of blurred, with Alaric and with Jeremy that it's kind of opened that possibility up for the darker side to come into because we know about the other side we know about peace but we don't know about like the darker version of that and maybe that line has also been blurred well we also saw in season three there was a time when like the door to the other side was open and ghosts could come over so stands to reason that that door could be opened again or the door to the the lower side yeah the you know the the bad side hell or hell adjacent the hell hell version of this yeah you know so i think there's a potential of like that dark magic the way we saw like dark veins kind of seeping in i think there's a potential of that seeping into mystic falls in the same way that's a great guess i really think i ate with that i guess we'll see won't we all i'm saying is maybe a reason why come back separate the good from the evil sure you're like sure but he's dead but he's dead (laughs) Connor looks at some news stories and a roster of council members, and he, that's his night. Then we go over to the Salvador house. Stefan gives Elena some bourbon, and he says it helps with the cravings. And she drinks, and she's disgusted by it. She's like, would a dirty surely help with the cravings? She's like, do you have any more champagne back there? Yeah. <laughs> you have like a, you have a white claw? Yeah. She's like, <laughs> Would that do it? She's like, I'm not quite here yet, guys. Or is it just bourbon? Is that my only yeah. option? Can I mix it? <laughs> Can I get a Splenda? <laughs> Who's dick do I have to suck around here to get nice tea? Yeah. <laughs> and so the tension is high in this room. And Elena says, you're mad. And he says, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no shit. <laughs> he says, you lied to me. And she says, well, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell you. And he says, come on. He said, that's a lie. <laughs> but okay. 
And she says, you were just so happy that things were going well. I didn't want to ruin it for you. And he says, you think I'm happy? You're in hell, which means I'm in hell. And he says, and then you go to Damon for help. And that's really the main point of this. Yeah, it's not so much that she didn't tell him, but she did tell Damon. He would be way less mad if she only told Caroline. Yeah, he's definitely mad that she didn't tell him because he wants to be there for her. But it's even worse that then she went to Damon. Like, that is so much more offensive to him. Mm -hmm. And she says, well, because I thought he'd understand. And Stefan says, you think I don't? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and she's (laughs) like, yeah, do you want me to say? He says, you fed on him, Elena. I know that may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to me. And it certainly meant a lot to Damon. Intimacy is the real sticking point. Yeah. And Elena says, I didn't want to hurt you. I'm really sorry. And then she cries. She says, oh my God, why am I crying? I feel so sick of crying. And Stefan says, well, your emotions are heightened. <laughs> That's when I would have been like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, I know my emotions are heightened. Don't you think I burn? Get the fuck out. Don't fucking say that to me. I'll show you heightened emotions. Yeah. Stick my heightened emotions up your ass. She says, I feel like I've been crying since the day my parents died. Like my life is a never ending funeral. It kind of is. <laughs> That's kind of a good read, I fear. She says, we keep burying people. You want to know what's heightened? It's grief. I keep feeling everyone's grief. All the hurt, I feel like it's trying to explode out of me. He's like, well, that's because your emotions are heightened because you're a vampire. (laughs) I know. It is unfortunate. Like, what got heightened for Caroline was, like, being in control. Yeah. And what's heightened for Elena is grief of losing everyone she loves. That sucks. That sucks. You didn't get a fun one. I know people really turn on Elena, but it's like, guys... She she's set up for a losing game. Of course, she's going to have grief heightened. Yeah. And Stefan says, hey, come with me. There's something we need to do. They do go. They go to the school. And then Damon and Bonnie arrive at the same time. And they find everyone sans Tyler gathered. Elena, Stefan, Jeremy, Matt, Caroline. Because Tyler, we have to assume, is like pretending to be in the hospital. In the hospital, yeah. Damon says, what are we doing? And Stefan says, we're finishing the memorial we didn't get earlier. We have to start healing. We've all lost so much, especially recently. I think we're numb to it. We push it away. We joke. We ignore it. It's time to let ourselves grieve. And this is a good move. They really need to have a minute to grieve. Yeah, like they had a funeral for Jenna, but they generally don't have funerals. They just kind of have to be like, okay, well, we got to bury this body and go. Especially recently, things have been happening so fast. And especially Alaric, it was like, we need to just move on. We can't even think about this. So it's good for Stefan to say, we need to grieve because, again, Stefan knows that what really holds everyone to their humanity is feeling these human emotions. And yeah. he, more than anyone, wants to hold on to his humanity right now. So he's like, we need to feel some emotions. And he also wants to, like, make a positive connection to the grief, like working through it and being able to build a community around it because or else that grief will overtake Elena and she will flip that switch off no matter what else is happening. Yeah. Even if she does manage to figure out the blood thing. Yeah. And Damon says, so you're lighting lanterns? And Stefan says, yeah, we need to do this. So Damon says, no, no, no. What we need to do is find out who this hunter is, what he knows about the death of the council. We have more important things to do right now than this. Well, it's kind of like, let's just take a night off. Yeah, I mean, like, Damon's right. They do have to figure this out. But it's like, we're going to figure out just as much tomorrow as we do tonight. Like, let's just take a fucking minute to relax. But the reason Damon doesn't want to do this is because he doesn't want to confront his own grief for Lurk. Yeah. Obviously. And so Stefan lights a lantern and he says, this is for my uncle, Zach. And I said, hey, TBT. Miss you, King. He says, this is for my friend, Lexi, and for Lurik. And Matt says, uh, this one's for Vicky. That's all he says. He said, that's the only one I got. <laughs> Caroline says, this is for my dad and Tyler's. And she likes hers. 
Jeremy, he's got a long list. He said, hold on, <laughs> let me take out my notes. <laughs> Jeremy says, this is for my parents, Vicky, Anna, Jenna, and Alaric. And Stefan said, oh, I said Alaric already. <laughs> Stefan's like, that was mine. <laughs> and Damon says, I'm not doing that. And he leaves. He's like, two of you said Alaric already. I can't be the third one to say Alaric. You all should have let me say Alaric. Would it kill you to say Andy? I know, would it kill you to say Andy? Would it kill you to say Rose? He's like, well, you both said Alaric and I don't really feel like this is the time for me to say Andy, who I really just was having sex with. But I still did grieve her a bit. (laughs) And Rose, who I care about, but I don't want you all to know that. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, Damon leaves. Bonnie lights hers and she says, this is for my grams. And then Elena takes out her notes. Yeah, Elena says, this is for my mom and dad and Jenna and (laughs) and Alaric and John and Isabella. Yeah, she she doesn't even read all the names. She says, this is my mom, dad, Jenna, everyone we've all lost, everyone this town has lost, and for me. <laughs> She's like, and me. Because I lost things too. And now we on this podcast will light our own lantern to name all the people they didn't. This is for Coach Tanner, Luca, <laughs> Jonas. Could you have a list? I don't have a list. I'm just naming people they didn't know. Oh. Luca and Jonas, Frederick, Greta. Pearl. Pearl? Yeah, Greta. Um, who else? John, Isabel. Finn. Sage. Finn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sage's friend, Troy. Michael Esther. <laughs> oh, yeah, Michael Esther. Oh, Slater, Rose's friend. Slater. Uh, S- no, Slater's girlfriend's alive. <laughs> Chad and Dana. Oh, yeah, Chad and Dana. Amy, Amy Bradley. Bradley. Sarah. <laughs> friend of Amy Bradley, Sarah. <laughs> Jules. Jules. All Brady? the other werewolves. I think All the other werewolves. one of them. Oh, what's the, what Maddox? Oh, yeah. That other witch? The other witch. Gloria. Gloria. Chicago. Yes, Gloria from Chicago. I think that's pretty much everyone. There's some other randos in the mix, I'm sure, but those are the- Yeah, we couldn't name everybody. If we name everybody, we'll be here all day. A lot of people die on this show. Yeah, Logan Fell. Oh yeah, Logan Fell, never forget. Never forget. Oh, Brian Walters. (laughs) How soon we forget. Soon we forget Brian Walters. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm out of them now i think that's all we got yeah i'm sure there are more but yeah you're damn right there's more this is grace coming at you live from the editing bay i have visited vampire diaries wiki and looked at the body counts for seasons one through three and i'm here to give you a real quick rundown of everybody we missed in our little memorial segment bartender ben remember how he got torched by a flamethrower that was incredible mason lockwood can't believe we forgot that hottie giuseppe salvatore he is in hell Brie, who owns the borough that Damon and Elena went to in season one. Noah, Anna's friend. Harper, another tomb vampire who was a rule follower. Beth Ann, Frederick's girlfriend, another tomb vampire. Jimmy, Mason's friend, who he killed, who triggered his werewolf curse. Carter, the carnival guy who Caroline killed. Trevor, Rose's friend, who got his head cut off by Elijah in a very sexy way. All of Stefan's Ripper victims. Ray Sutton and all the failed hybrids and any other hybrid who Klaus killed. I didn't want to write all their names down. Catherine's entire family (laughs) were killed by Klaus. Tobias Fell, Mary Porter, the piano player who Damon invited to his threesome with Sage and Rebecca, Finn's entire bloodline, and of course, how could we forget Henrik, the little brother of the originals who we think had hemophilia. Rest in peace to all of them. This lantern is for them. They all like the lanterns. They let them go. They're emotional, they're crying, they're smiling. You get it. They're playing an emotional song. Everyone feels happier right now. It feels a little lighter. They got some of this off off their chest. Yeah. And then we go over to the cemetery. Damon is having a drink and we don't immediately see, but pretty quickly we can figure out that it's a lyric's grave. Yeah. 
And Damon's talking to Alaric. He says, you know, they're floating lanterns in the sky. Can you believe that? Japanese lanterns are symbols of letting go of the past, but here's a newsflash. We're not Japanese. <laughs> he says, you know what they are? Children. Like lighting candles is going to make everything okay, or saying a prayer, or pretending Elena's not going to end up just like the rest of us murderous vampires. Stupid, delusional, exasperating little children. And he says, I know what you're going to say. It makes them feel better, Damon. So what? But how long? You know, for a minute, for a day, what difference does it make? In the end, when you lose somebody, every candle, every prayer is not going to make up for the fact that the only thing you have left is a hole in your life where that somebody you cared about used to be. And a rock with a birthday carved into it that I'm pretty sure is wrong. And we've seen during this little speech that Alaric's ghost is here, listening. And he giggles at David's little joke. And I am crying like a little baby. Oh yeah, we needed to take a minute after that episode because this really got you. I'm about to cry again. Damon says, so thanks, friend, for leaving me here to babysit because I should be long gone by now. I didn't get the girl, remember? I'm just stuck here fighting with my brother and taking care of the kids. You owe me big. He takes one last sip and he leaves the bottle there. It's about half full. He left some for Lurk. Rick says, I miss you too, buddy. And we end the episode. So let's, I mean, let's talk about Rick first because that's where we left it. It's sad. Mm -hmm. So we can see Rick's ghost. You are 100% sure that Rick is coming back to life. I just refuse to believe it. So we can see he's dead, but we also know, since we can see his ghost, and we've seen it now twice, mm-hmm. he's on the other side. He didn't find yeah. peace. He hasn't moved on. We'll remember when the ghost had a physical foothold, that trade-off was like Vicky could come back if she could kill Elena. So I'm just saying, Alert could strike a deal. I don't know who is powerful enough to kill that that would be useful. And we do have to remember that was Esther pushing that. Yeah, she was offering that deal. We haven't heard from Esther, so we can maybe assume that she might be she might have found some peace. I assume she's gone, gone. Yeah. But I can't imagine she found peace. But so you'd have to find someone who would care enough about Elena's death to offer that deal. You mean Alaric's death? No, about Elena's oh. death. Basically, the reason that death was offered was so oh, that yeah. Klaus couldn't create more hybrids. Yeah. The only person who really seems to give a fuck about that, other than like witches who are worried about the balance of nature, but they've got so many things that are not the balance of nature, like mm-hmm. they have other things to focus on. So the only reason that Esther wanted Elena dead was to stop Klaus from creating more hybrids. So I do think like, you're right. Elena now being a vampire kind of fulfills that deal, but who else cares about Klaus not being able to create more hybrids? Unless of course, there may be another doppelganger somewhere. I'm saying a totally different deal. Oh, so nothing about doppelgangers. I think there's a potential that as the dark magic is coming in, Alaric has the firsthand experience with dark magic seeping in and maybe some witch will be like, you need to take a trade of like some dark space or maybe evil Alaric wakes up somehow. And the other side is like, we'll trade you if you can go get your evil self, you know, something like that. I'm just throwing that out as something like, so you think good Alaric and evil Alaric are both on the other side or maybe evil Alaric found peace. I don't know about evil Alaric, but we've only seen good Alaric on the other side. If the witches want Alaric to grab evil Alaric for something, evil Alaric has to be around. Yeah, I'm saying he could like wake up. I'm saying he would have to wake up for that to happen. Don't ask but he's, me how. But he's dead. Yeah, but if he woke up, if he's not permanently dead. Okay, sure. I'm throwing out possibilities. Are they solid? Yeah, we're no. pretty sure Aluric, evil Alaric was permanently dead. Well, also, I mean, you're under the impression that Alaric will be here. It's possible that Alaric just stays a ghost. Yeah, 
but you don't think that's true. I think he can stay a ghost if he's able to talk to more people than just Jeremy. Well, he, I mean, we haven't seen him talk to Jeremy. We haven't seen him talk to Jeremy in a while. And we also saw that he said something to Damon. Damon didn't turn around, so we can assume Damon can't hear him. Not to be this person, but usually when someone dies, we kind of are like, oh man, they're dead. And maybe a special occasion they'll come back as a ghost, right? We don't generally talk about the grieving process this intensively and have this exact setup. May I play devil's advocate? Do you, are you going to argue like, well, this is a bigger character? No, here's my argument is that this is a special occasion. The whole theme yeah. of this episode is memorial. It was a memorial episode. Yeah. So it's like, maybe they said, you know, we know we killed you off. You're not going to be on the show, but can you be here for the memorial? And he said, sure. See, I feel like that's still not enough. So I guess let me ask you a follow-up question. When do you think we're going to see Alaric back? That's a great question. I'm thinking... You think it's going to be next episode? I'm thinking episode six. Episode six. I think they're going to want to keep us on the edge a little bit. And I do think we have to have some introduction into some sort of magic or some way he could come back. Because obviously, as I've been giving my reasoning, none of it really tracks yet. I I can admit that. I haven't gotten something super compelling yet. So I don't have the right information for what would cause that. Sure. So let's talk about Connor. Particularly, let's talk about Connor's tattoo. So from what we see in this episode, only Jeremy can see Connor's tattoo. We only see it for a second. Do you have thoughts? Well, I think it's, you know, not a coincidence that only Jeremy saw it. I think that fits into his medium capabilities. You know, we know Connor's not a ghost because he's not acting like a ghost. Well, isn't he? Maybe he's a ghost who has a physical foothold. That could be, I suppose. But I think this could build into my little guesses that I've been just pulling out of my ass that he has dark magic from the other side. Maybe that's what's showing on the tattoo and what he has spelled these bullets with potentially that is visible to someone who can see ghosts and see the mediums. And so maybe there is this like evil and good version and he's like, the dark magic tattoos are a giveaway, but they just don't know what they mean yet. So you think he's evil Connor Jordan and there's somewhere like a good Connor Jordan hanging out? Maybe. Maybe on the other side? Maybe. Interesting. Or this guy's just evil. But I do think this, I think those tattoos are a sign of the other side and dark magic. So the fact that Bonnie said that's not magical writing, you just think she doesn't recognize it? I think she might just not recognize it or it's a different type of magic. There's a, a chance that black magic, once you get into the depths of it, is different or that it's some sort of curse or some other like, you know, we have to assume there's some other magic besides like Salem witch trials magic out there, like sure. over the cultures of the years, like maybe it's spread out to different places. That's a good point. You know, so I think there's potential that it's just a type of magic she hasn't come in contact with, or it could be like a type of magic that is like combined with something else, like that is like based in the other side or something like that. Sure. So let me ask you a follow-up question. If Connor is an agent of dark magic in the other side, why kill vampires specifically? That is a great question. Because don't you think that black magic would be like, yeah, vampires are cool for us. We like them. They kill people. I don't think black magic has that kind of directionality. I think it's one of those things where if it's seeped into you and embedded in you, it's like it's heightening the bad side, the way that being a vampire heightens everything. So maybe this is the type of person who, like Alaric, had that potential to have that feeling about vampires. And he's just kind of leaned into it. He didn't have anyone to pull him off that ledge. And so in that time, he's just been really getting good at it. Sure. That's a good point. 
Good save, Stephanie. Good save. I, know. <laughs> I thought you had me there. Yeah. <laughs> the final thing I want to talk about is Elena, as always. Got to talk about Elena. <laughs> so at this point in her transition, and I will say this episode is the end of the transition chapter. Oh. From what we see about Elena's transition, we now know that she can only drink human blood from the vein. Mm-hmm. The theory that everyone is kind of accepting right now is that it's a doppelganger thing. Do you think we're going to see Catherine coming back anytime soon? Oh, I think we're going to see Catherine coming back because I think, well, first of all, Catherine's just helpful with any vampire hunter or any like secret writing that they don't know about because little Miss Lady finds shit out. She's been around. I I think Elena will like try to get fresh blood when she can, but she's going to be like, I want to transition to blood bags at the minimum. Yeah, I think she's going to have a push for that. And since the only reasonable explanation they have is that it's a doppelganger effect, they're going to want to talk to Catherine. But also Catherine knows how to keep blood down. Like it might just be a a process of how you drink blood as a doppelganger and how you come into your own. Do you think the doppelganger thing is the biggest reason? Or do you think there's something else at play here for Elena's transition issues? I mean, I think it's potentially the doppelganger, but I I do think it's... You think that since I'm asking this question, it might not... Well, I I think it's more than that anyway, because we see Catherine not have issues with this. And so I was thinking potentially it's a manifestation of guilt, but then you would hope the guilt would like let you drink other blood <laughs> rather than push the other way. Then wouldn't Stefan be experiencing the same thing? Well, Stefan didn't try to stop drinking blood that early in his vampire path. Gotcha. So maybe if you're going into your vampire path early and also that she didn't want to be a vampire, it might just be like getting used to it and like the a mental block. Although I think a mental block is not really good TV. <laughs> but I do think it's probably more than the doppelganger thing just because... Elena's the main character. And because we've seen Catherine be like, Catherine had no issue in her transition that we saw. And, you know, it's not like we saw every single thing she went through. And it's not like Catherine be like, yeah, I used to throw up blood. Like, why would she tell anyone that? But I do think it's suspicious that like, we haven't seen any even sign of that in Catherine without a reason. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, this is the first time we've ever seen a vampire struggle with any blood. I mean, particularly human blood in a blood bag. Yeah. This is the first time we've ever seen a vampire have this struggle at all. Yeah, because even Damon is like, I don't really like the taste of animal blood, but it's not like... It's not like he can't keep it down. It's more of a preference. Yeah. It, so it's like the first time we've seen something like this happen, which like makes you think it's a combination of effects. It might also be from dying and coming back to life before becoming a vampire. Like maybe there's a, some other effects from that. That's a good point. Just something different that Elena did. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the end of the episode. We are setting up a lot of storylines for season four, a lot of interesting stuff. I'm having a lot of fun already. Yeah, Stephanie threw a lot of guesses out. We'll see how they all manifest. (laughs) I'm feeling good about a handful. We'll see if you should. We'll see (laughs) if you should. (laughs) But as always, if you're enjoying Vampire Diaries or Doppelgangers, you can tell your friends and give us five stars reading a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother.